Welcome to Fury Within, my short little ditties to keep you up at night. I'm Chris, and I thought today I'd do a montage of sorts. As I go about researching and getting into sort of the bowels of the internet, I often find weird, creepy, or just interesting factoids that I jot down. So I thought I'd share a few of those with you today, just for funsies. But big request here, please share us with all your friends, and we would love to hear from you at cowardsfury at gmail.com or Instagram at cowardsfury. Contrary to my usual nature, let's start at the happiest place on Earth, Disneyland in California. Disneyland's Pirates of the Caribbean ride originally used real skeletons in the attraction. They didn't like how the fake ones looked, that which is, you know, reasonable, right? So this would have been in the 1960s. The Disney engineers worked with the University of California, LA's anatomy department to get the skeletons originally. Eventually, they replaced the real skeletons with fake ones, but many believe that there are still real skeletons in the attraction. Sounds like something from a movie, right? Well, what's your favorite movie? How about a great horror classic like A Nightmare on Elm Street by Wes Craven? That one thoroughly creeped me out as a kid. What's even creepier is that the movie is loosely based on a true and very sad story. Based on a story from the LA Times, there was a boy who suffered from very disturbing nightmares. He refused to sleep for days out of pure terror. Can you imagine being that kiddo's mom? But one night, he fell prey to exhaustion, and he passed away in his sleep shortly after screaming for help. And this story served as the basis for Craven's creative. Children and nightmares, it's common. But it is also fairly common for children to hear voices. About 8% of children hear voices and will interact with those voices. That's about the same commonality as asthma or dyslexia. Who knew children could be so creepy? I mean, unless you're a mom, then you probably already know. Sometimes people are afraid of dolls, like think Chucky. Dolls take on a whole new meaning on the small island south of Mexico City called Isla de las Munesas, or Island of the Dolls. The island's caretaker found a girl that had drowned in mysterious circumstances. He also discovered a doll floating in the water. He hung the doll on the tree to appease the drowned girl's spirit. Like, I wonder why he thought that would appease her spirit. Seems odd. But the girl's spirit kept haunting the caretaker, so he hung more dolls and more dolls and more dolls to try to temper her anger. Tourists often say that they can see the dolls move their heads and whisper to one another. To this day, no one knows how the little girl ended up drowning or the circumstances behind her death. It's an odd and creepy tribute to honor the death of one little girl. And death is treated differently by many cultures. Some bury the dead, some cremate, some build temples. Zoroastrianism is one of the world's oldest religions, influenced by the belief systems of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. But one quirk of the religion is that they leave their dead in towers to be eaten by vultures because they believe that the earth, water, air, and fire are all sacred. They believe burying or cremating dead bodies would introduce impurities. By leaving their dead exposed to the elements, they show respect for their beliefs. And still others believe in God and Satan and demons and angels as told through the Bible. The Codex Gigas, or the Devil's Bible, actually exists. It's the largest Latin manuscript known to the world. It is believed to be a contract between a monk and Satan. The monk supposedly sold his soul to Satan to avoid being executed, or some say to allow him to actually write this book in one day. The book includes a full-page drawing of Satan himself. The book is 36 inches tall, 20 inches wide, and 8.7 inches thick, and weighs 165 pounds. It's made from the vellum of 160 donkeys. The last 10 pages are actually missing, and no one knows what was on them. As I said, it's believed to be the work of one monk, which would have taken him about 30 years to complete. It contains text 
and illuminations or art. How about that for some summer reading? There's another book that no one can read. It's called the Voynich Manuscript. It is a handwritten codex that contains pictures of people, animal, and plants. It also has some type of what looks like writing, but no one has been able to decipher it. The book was acquired in 1912 by Wilfred Voynich, a rare book dealer. The parchment dates back to the 15th century. History researcher and television writer Nicholas Gibbs claims to have deciphered the book and says it's mostly about women's health and herbology. He said the strange quote-unquote code is actually just shorthand for herbs and other references. Other researchers are not ready to sign on to Gibbs' assertions. But if you go take a look at this particular book out there, it does sort of look like an herbology-type book. I have a feeling that King Charles II's favorite drink isn't just one of those little herbal concoctions in the Voynich Manuscript. King Charles II, now let's be clear, I'm not talking about the current King Charles, he enjoyed a drink called King's Drops, which was made from alcohol and pulverized human skulls. Charles II wasn't just interested in drinking skulls. He was a bit of a perv, too. He watched over his nephew on his wedding night so he could witness the consummation of their marriage. Gross. He also fathered at least 12 illegitimate children, as well as having a propensity for any woman he wanted. Top-notch guy, that Charles II. Maybe he should have taken up like a different pastime like gardening, knitting, art, like some people do. Some people write books, some create pottery or other sculptures out of various mediums. Some use bone. I mean, other than Disney, of course. In the Czech Republic, there's a Roman Catholic chapel called the Sedlec Ossuary, which contains the bones of between 40 and 70,000 people. The pictures are impressive. Here's the history, though, teacup-sized. Back in 1278, the king of Bohemia sent the abbot of Sedlec Cistercian Monastery to Jerusalem. Upon the abbot's return, he brought with him soil from Golgotha. This was called holy soil, and people wanted to be buried in the holy soil, and they associated the holy soil with Sedlec. So people started coming from all over to be buried there. So the cemetery had to be expanded. A Gothic church was also constructed near the cemetery in the 15th century. That basement of the church was leveraged as an ossuary, and that's where the bones stayed until 1870. Then, Frantisic Rint was commissioned to do something with the bones. They're like, get these bones in order, do something with them. Rint, by trade, was a woodcarver, and the results of his efforts are truly impressive. The bones are arranged in works of art, like garlands, there's a chandelier, there's an altar, and it receives the this uh, church receives more than 200,000 visitors per year. People find their visit not to be scary, though, peaceful and awe-inspiring, which is why people like to visit places like churches or museums. Another visitor attraction of sorts is the Mutter Museum in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, which contains human specimens that had illnesses or trauma, as well as some normal anatomy. They have more than 3,000 bones, anatomical models, historical medical instruments, about 1,300 wet specimens, which would be things like intestines, cysts, tumors, that represent every part of the human body. They also have dried specimens, corrosions, which are when parts of the soft tissue have a protectant put on them, and then a corrosive substance dissolves the unprotected part of the specimen, leaving only that treated part behind. Lithics, like kidney, bladder, and gallstones, and historical medical photographs. It's so creepy and so fascinating, I would totally visit that museum. But I'll be honest, I will never visit the Venthaven Museum in Fort Mitchell, Kentucky. 
The museum houses over 900 ventriloquist dolls and related pieces. I'm not sure that I can think of anything creepier, but I am sure that there are people out there who love it. The next tourist attraction is a little different. The Museo de Anime del Purgatorio, or the Museum of the Souls of Purgatory, contains a display of items believed to be signs of the outreach of deceased people to the living. In 1897, a mysterious fire broke out in the Chapel of the Rosary. French missionary Victor Jouet found that the painting on the altar had been spared from the fire, but that the fire had left behind the image of a human face imprinted on the wall. He decided to travel Europe to find proof of the afterlife and communication between the dead and the living. He collected various extraordinary handprints, photographed documents with mysterious relics and other items. He and others believe it is proof of people who have passed and must spend time in purgatory, cleansing their souls of their sins before they can ascend to heaven. The relics are believed to be the dead, reaching out to the living to ask for your prayers that might help shorten their stay in purgatory. But purgatory will be the last of your worries if you consider visiting the North Sentinel Island in the Bay of Bengal. It is patrolled by the Indian Navy. The island has no natural bay to port in, but that's not the issue you should be focused on should you decide to illegally go there. The island is inhabited by the Sentinelese, one of the last tribal people to be left virtually untouched by outside civilization. In 2006, two illegal fishermen drifted a little too close to the island and the Sentinelese killed them. In 2018, John Allen Chow, just 25 years old, went on an illegal trip to the island to preach Christianity to the Sentinelese. They did not like it and they killed him with no consequences after doing so. I say, leave the Sentinelese alone. If you don't bother them, they won't bother you. A little like the inhabitants of Ilha da Quemada Grande, or more commonly known as Snake Island, which is an island off the coast of Brazil. No one is allowed on the island except by express permission from the Brazilian Navy and vetted by the Chico Mendes Institute for Biodiversity Conservation. The reason is that the island may have as many as 430,000 snakes, or one snake in each square meter of the island. It is the only home of the Bothrops insularis, or the Golden Lancehead Pit Viper, one of the deadliest snakes on the planet. It's a true conservation effort. And conservation is critical to human survival too, right? Ever seen the movie WALL-E? Well, the Svalbard Global Seed Vault will be what saves us. It is a very secure seed bank on the Norwegian island of Spitsbergen. Its mission is to provide a safety net in the event of catastrophic loss of plants and vegetation on the earth. It works just like a safety deposit box. The bank owns the building and the depositor owns the contents of their box. It is an 11,000 square foot facility heavily guarded by state-of-the-art security systems. Only a few bank employees are allowed in. Imagine being in that place all alone at night. Ooh, it gets creepy, because nobody gets through. Well, maybe a ghost or two. Do you believe in ghosts? If you do, you definitely wouldn't want to go to Pavaglia Island in the Venetian Lagoon, Northern Italy. Not that you would necessarily be allowed to anyway. The small island was used as a lazarette beginning in 1776 for more than a hundred years to put people suffering from the plague and other diseases. They were just sort of dumped there to die. And if that wasn't creepy enough, it was later used as a mental hospital, because why not? People consider it to be one of the most haunted places on earth, with ghosts of plague victims, war victims, and even the ghost of a murderous asylum doctor as they roam the decaying grounds. 
Naturally. You can ask for permission to visit the island, but you must be careful. The structures are unstable and unsafe, and most of them are also very dark, as the windows have been barred or overgrown with vegetation. I'm going to switch gears here just a little bit for the last few golden nuggets. More of a, huh, I had no idea. Maybe that'll come in handy for a game of trivia someday. Kind of a vibe. The first one is kind of amazing, and I'm not sure if it's cruel or not, but something about it doesn't sit right with me. It's about Mike. Mike the chicken, to be more precise. Mike the headless chicken lived for 18 months after his farmer owner failed to chop his head off properly. The farmer wanted to eat Mike for dinner, but when he used his axe, he missed the jugular and most of the brainstem. As a result, Mike lived. The farmer decided to care for the headless chicken and fed it milk, water, and small grains of corn and worms to keep it alive. Mike then toured sideshows, earning his owner, you know, the one that tried to kill him, the equivalent of $54,000 per month in today's dollars. Like what? He eventually, this is awful, he eventually choked on a piece of grain because the farmer had accidentally left his feeding and cleaning syringes at a previous display, and he could not save Mike from choking. See what I mean? It just doesn't sit well. Anyway, you can go and Google some pictures of Mike the Headless Chicken. It's disturbing. Something else that didn't sit right, I guess lie would be more accurate, well, was the supposed death of Essie. In 1915, 30-year-old Essie Dunbar of Blackville, South Carolina, was pronounced dead by her doctor after an epilepsy attack. She was subsequently placed in a coffin, the coffin screwed shut, and lowered into the ground after a lengthy funeral. But her sister, who lived in a different town, wasn't able to make it in time for the funeral. When she arrived, just at the end of the funeral, she begged the pastors, there were three of them, to please, please, please open the casket so she could look on her sister just one last time, because she was devastated. After some debate, they decided to allow this. They brought the casket back up, unscrewed it, and opened it. And to everyone's surprise and horror, Essie sat up and smiled at her sister. The crowd was so taken aback that the three pastors fell into the grave, one breaking three ribs, and the mourners all ran away, believing Essie to be some kind of ghost or zombie. Essie, she went on to live another 40 years, passing on at the age of 70 from natural causes. Speaking of the walking dead, cat mummies. In parts of Europe and the UK, people used to put mummified cats in the walls of their new homes and buildings for good luck or to ward off evil spirits. Why that works is totally beyond me. These last few very short tidbits are more off the wall than even the mummified wall cats. You know when you see that person you can't stand rushing to catch the elevator that you're in and you vigorously punch that closed door button? Guess what? The closed door button on an elevator doesn't actually do anything. Unless you have the elevator key as a worker or emergency responder, that button is not activated. So next time you see that weird coworker headed to the bo- to board the elevator with you and you feel the urge to jab that close button, maybe consider just taking the stairs. Okay, loving this next one. A Keele University study revealed that people who cursed could withstand pain 33% longer than those who did not. Hell yeah. Okay, this one was a trigger for me, so trigger warning. Do you remember Sesame Street? Who's your favorite character? I mean, everybody loves Cookie Monster, right? But Cookie Monster's real name is actually Sid. He didn't start going by Cookie Monster until after he ate his first cookie, and then it was a moniker that just stuck. Yeah. Oh, happy birthday! You're 14% more likely to die on your birthday than any other day. A journal, Annals of Epidemiology, found gives a new meaning to the birthday celebration, if you make it through the day. But maybe this kid can save you. 
A boy named James Harrison needed a complicated surgery at the age of 13. He required 13 liters of blood for the surgery. That's a lot. When he recovered, he vowed to start giving blood at the age of 18, which he did. They discovered when he gave blood that he had a rare type of antigen in his blood that cures rhesus disease. James made over a thousand blood donations and saved 2.4 million unborn babies from the disease. Now that is a true hero inside and out. I'll leave you friends with one final piece of utterly useless knowledge and one that I hope you'll make a joke about in any way that you can. And this is just a factoid. You can fit 63 earth-sized objects in Uranus. Please feel free. Joke. Okay, Furious followers, thanks for listening to this very odd montage. Share it, laugh at it. I know you love the creepy and macabre and hopefully some of the history as much as I do. And as the French used to say before the last use of the guillotine in 1977, the same year Star Wars debuted, keep a good head on your shoulders. Ba-dum-bum. Sorry, had to drop some cheese. Peace. <laughs>